0: Hey everyone, Rob here and welcome to this episode which is all about goal setting and how you can learn the best way to set goals for you in your life and for your racing and wherever else you want to set your goals. Uh, This could be a longer podcast than normal just from the amount of information that I'm going to give to you today. One thing I want you to keep in mind though, the overarching thing for this whole podcast is take whatever works best for you. And if you already have a great way that you're setting your goals and it's working and you don't really want to change it, that's great. Keep doing what works. I'm just going to throw a small challenge at you and maybe you could take a concept that I talk about today and um, just to maybe improve the way you do things or maybe just try something different for a couple of weeks. And if it doesn't work, then you can ditch it. But I really want you to Throughout this podcast, just try on the information. There'll be things that don't sit with you, there'll be things that do, uh, but all this stuff I'm, I'm going to give to you like a smorgasbord of um, the options for goal setting because I want you to find one that works. There's a lot of people out there who don't like setting goals at all, and, and I think that that's just because the way that we've been presented, uh, the, the systems and the methods of goal setting... Doesn't really sit with all of us, and it's important. That's why the, the the step one of my program for athletes is all about understanding yourself and knowing yourself. Because when you can tap into what makes you tick, then you can understand what kind of goal setting technique uh, and what drives you, and then and and then work out which one is going to be best for you. So you might want to take notes for this one, obviously if you're driving, don't, but you might want to listen to it again because there's going to be a heap of stuff I'm going to throw at you. So just a tip, when I listen to podcasts in the car, and if you get to a point in the podcast where you think, oh, that's actually worth um, listening to, which hopefully is more than one point in podcasts that I do, uh, I just take a screenshot of it. So I just reach up to, uh, in the cradle where my phone is and just take a quick screenshot just so when you um, get home, you can go straight back to that time on the... Um, podcast screen. All right, let's get into it. So I'm going to give you so many different ways I've got that I've learned myself and learned from other people, mentors, uh, other runners, other athletes, uh, psychologists, you name it. I've got so much information to share with you. And again, take what works, try something different. But if you're not a goal setter, this could be the podcast that makes you a goal setter and could give you the system that you've been looking for just to have a crack with it. So let's work in with it. Um, we're getting into the what. I'm going to take you through a little bit of the history of goal setting, and I'll show you why this is important um, a bit later on. But there was a, a doctor by the name of Doctor Edwin Locke, and you might have heard of Locke's name because in all of the sports psychology, in fact, all of the psychology literature, Locke and Latham are the ones that um always referenced in all the papers that I've read and you'll read. They always come back to this Locke and Latham. So Dr. Edwin Locke wrote a paper in uh, 1968, and what he said, he came up with a theory of goal setting. And and basically what Locke said in 68 um, was that you needed to set very challenging goals that will elicit, and they will elicit the best performance. So he said, it doesn't mean that you'll achieve the goal, Uh, But what it will mean is that your performance will increase if you set a very challenging goal. That was way back in 68. Um, But why that's important to know is because in 1981, a fellow by the name of George Doran, who was a, a business consultant, came up with an acronym I'm sure you've heard, and I'm sure you've probably had rammed down your throat throughout your working life or your sporting life, and that is, of course, the SMART acronym for goal setting. And if you're rolling your eyes, stay with me because the reason that I want to do this podcast is SMART can work for a lot of people and it can also turn a lot of people off. So don't throw it out. Don't don't think you have to use a SMART acronym. If you know what I'm talking about, SMART is an acronym. It stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Timed. Now. George Doran in 81 came up with this. He was just like, think of a blogger in 981. He just came up with a system to teach managers basically how to set and achieve uh, KPIs and how to, to kind of get the best and most effective work out of his team. It was just really intended as a practical and useful tool, which it is, I believe. I think it is. Um, but not for everyone, right? And that's and that's where the limitations of it come up. In, interestingly, in George Doran's first the way he used it, the A actually stands for assignable, as in how you delegate, but somehow along the line it became into attainable, which is basically realistic. So moving on, after that, the, that acronym kind of took off around the world in the business consulting and then the sports, it got transferred across the sports. And Locke and Latham got together again in 1990 and wrote a seminal book that everyone refers to again in all literature, in all literature. and they come up with these five principles that a good goal has to have in order for it to be effective, and they are number one clarity. So a clear goal, of course. Uh, number two, challenging, which is what Locke said in sixty-eight. Number three, there has to be commitment. Number four, you need feedback. This again, this is in the business or, or the management realm. So it was all about feedback on how you're performing, but it can also be transported into how you're performing. Feedback from coach or self-feedback. And number five was called task complexity. So they were saying, don't make it easy, but don't make it too hard. It has to be some kind of range It's going to talk a bit more about. So why is that important? It's important to know that there is a ton of stuff out there about goal setting. That's the the brief history of it. But where we're going to go next is to alternatives that if SMART doesn't work for you, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of other things that you can either start afresh with and hopefully start to set goals because I really believe they're a great thing to have in life. and And it just might be the way that you're setting them if you're not you know, you've never achieved them, or, or if it makes you feel down when when I talk about it. So let's get on to the types. Again, this is a smorgasbord. sport, so pretend you're at Sizzler or the all-you-can-eat bar. So we talked about smart already. Uh, again, I, I think I still think there's a use for it. Um, it's not how I set goals; it's how I used to set goals. But just briefly, I, I believe that in my life, smart started to the smart acronym started to cause more anxiety f- for me in, in the fact that. Um, the specificness of it, the timing of it, it, it is a very binary thing. as in It's either you achieve it or you don't. So it's either a yes or a no or a pass or a fail or I did it or I didn't do it. And as I go through my athletic I don't know, life, I, 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 I want more fulfillment out of my goals instead of achievement. And I, I believe that the SMART is really, really good if you are looking for that focus, looking for that outcome, looking for that achievement but not so great if you're really looking for fulfillment. So moving on, think about goals. There's there's, there's, there's a model where they really fall into three different areas. Outcome goals, performance goals, and progress goals. So if you think of the outcome goal, it's a result. It's an end goal that you're going for. It's winning the gold medal. It's coming first in, I don't know, my class in maths. It's the focus on the external and the outcome. It also is focusing on things that you can't really control. And when I talked about smart, that's why it was starting to bring up anxiety, because the definition of anxiety is trying to control something that you can't. Now, it's also a really good motivator if you're an elite sportsman person and you want to go for that gold medal. you are going to go for the win. That's where the outcome-based goal, it can be really good. I want to make the Australian team. I want to come first. I'm going to take that kind of stuff. So the second one is performance. So performance is still outcome-based, but it's more controllable. So instead of finishing place, it's focusing on a finishing time. For example, I want to run a 25-minute 5K, right? That's more controllable for you. Um, in, than, it, than it is, oh, I want to come first in the 5K. I hope you get the distinction. Um, so, performance could be measurements that you might hear in, in sports statistics, like how many shots on goal did the team have, um, how many meters gained did the runners have, or the forwards have in the football game. Pardon me, I'm not a footballer. Number of tackles, number of passes, number of assists. It's really about the way that the athlete is performing. Process goals. in your control. And these are things like, say, you know, so a marathon, an marathon race or a long distance endurance race, focusing on your fueling strategy, your nutrition strategy. I'm going to have X amount of kilojoules per hour. I'm going to drink X amount of um, litres of electrolyte per hour. Could be focusing on your race plan. My plan might be, I don't know, to run at this pace for this many hours and then this pace for this many hours, or it might be, um, you know, you get my drift, I'm sure. It might be stay in a heart rate zone for the first um, X amount of hours in the race and then you increase it towards the end. So just a quick look, re- recap on those three things. Outcome is the is the end result you're looking for. I want to get this, I want to have this, I want to win this. Per, um, performance goal is about how you are performing in the moment. I'm going to run at this pace. I'm going to run at this time. I'm going to run at um, this speed. And it's more controllable, but it's still, it's still affected by outside things. Whereas process goals are ones that you can 100% control no matter what happens. Controlling, again, heart rate, um, uh, how you like, even, even your mindset in the race, about your intention in the race. And... and you know that could be something like, um, instead, uh, if you if you look at a race, so let's look at what's what we've got coming up. Comerong um, Running Club's going to Canberra for the Canberra Marathon. So if I just to think about an outcome goal, it could be to win my age group at Canberra. Right. The process goal might be to run a sub four hour marathon at Canberra, or a sub two hour half marathon, or a sub fifty minute ten um, k. Right, so you've got more control over that than the position, because if the entire um, marathon Australian marathon team turn up in Canberra and your goal is to win it, and you're not at that level, then y- you could run your best PR time ever, and you could still come, I don't know, twenty seventh, and then you you have lost control of your um, actual goal, even though you've run the best time. Or if you set a performance time to you know run a sub four hour, sub three hour marathon, then you can um, you can control that. I don't want to get bogged down in this stuff, so I'm going to keep on moving. Um, The next thing I want to talk about is, uh, and sorry, the process goal for Canberra. The process goal is something you can 100% control, and that could be I'm going to stay in this heart rate zone for the first hour, then this heart rate zone for the second, or I'm going to, again, nutrition, I'm going to focus on mindful running. I'm just going to spend the whole marathon listening to the birds, feeling the air on my skin, and you know chatting to the people around me for example that could be a you can you can 100 percent control all of those things all right all right moving on so the next one i want to talk about is open goals now this is super interesting i read a paper during the week um it's only just been released this year and it's based on the it was almost like a rebuttal to the smart goals so all the people out there who don't like setting smart goals listen up for this section So the paper was called, The Overuse of Smart Goals for Physical Activity Promotion. And it was published in the Health and Psychology Review, Um, a lot of different authors in this paper, Um, but basically it was a narrative review and a critique on smart goals. And the, the gist of this paper, which I thought was fascinating, was they traced back the history of smart goals, which I just shared with you before, that was from this paper, and they basically said it's not based on any scientific research. It's based on you know George Doran's theory, uh, which he did and was successful. So let's have a look at an alternative. And the open goals that they came up with, they, 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 they had a test and a control group setting open goals and they had one setting SMART goals. And they said that in the end of this study, I'm being very vague here because I don't know the numbers, um, there, was no, there was no betterment of results from setting a smart goal than an open goal. So an open goal, and the best type of open goals were ex- exploratory open goals, non-specific. So something like be more active, or um, see how good I can be was one of, them, one of the things said. Be kinder. And these types of really vague goals have been frowned upon in the goal-setting literature right throughout the ages, right back to, to Locke in 1968. But this study was saying, actually, when we did this study, there was no difference between setting a specific, measurable, attainable, um, what's the R stand for? Realistic and then timed, versus this open goal, which is, I want to be happier, I want to be healthier, I want to be fitter. And this was really fascinating to me. So much so, and why it really grabbed my attention is, I might have told you this before, but recently, in recent races... I've gone away from setting time goals. I've gone away from setting position in the field goals, and I've gone to so my last two. My last goal for Coast Cozy last year was to be the happiest person on the course, and that is an example of an open goal. It's a it's a process goal that I can one hundred percent control. Well, actually, now I think of it. There might have been a happier person out there, but I can still control my happiness, right? And it was one of these open goals. Now I'm. As a result of listening to this, um, reading this through this article, I'm setting my next goal for my next race is an open goal and it's an exploratory goal. And my goal is stated like this to see how fit I can become. Now, if you compare that to an outcome goal or a smart goal, which says I'm going to run this particular race on this date in this particular time. It's a very different one. But for me, and I'm only saying this for me, it might not be for you, this is why I'm saying to you, take whatever works. I experience a higher rate of anxiety through having a, a number or a position or an expectation out there than I do when I set a goal such as see how fit I can become in the next three months leading up to this goal. Um, so, that's just an example of, of an open goal, which I, I really think is fascinating and definitely if you're looking at an alternative to a goal setting, try on this. Um, in, just to stay on the open goals because I, I am fascinated by them. Um, one of the participants said how much they got out of it because they hated goal setting, but what they said to the, um, the professors running this start, trial was, you remove the possibility of failure by having me set an open goal. And he said, you took away the failure, the pressure, the tension and the anxiety through letting me set an open goal. Now, the caveat is, I don't know if it's going to take away from you hitting a goal. For example, if you if you want to run a sub three-hour marathon and you're going to focus on that and focus on that as a smart goal with an end outcome, that could drive you to, to that outcome of the sub three i don't know if setting an an outcome uh, sorry setting a um open goal of i want to be the happiest runner on the marathon course is actually going to lead you to that but i'm saying it could and it could definitely bring you a lot more fulfillment a lot more enjoyment of the race and possibly have you in your a game which is the things we can control versus being in your b game which is looking at the times looking at the splits looking at the external things. Uh, etc. So again, if it hits you and if you think, that sounds like something I want to try, go for it. If you think it's a load of rubbish and you don't want to try it, good. Ditch it and go back to whatever's working for you. Moving on. Um, the next one is identity goals. Now, there's two references I'm going to make here. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, was the person that kind of shifted everyone's attention when he, when he wrote an article called something like don't focus on the outcome focus on the system or systems versus goals and he put that into his book and it was all about um, don't think about running a marathon become a runner don't think about reading the book and finishing the book become a reader and he said the goal is not to be um, to learn an instrument the goal is to become a musician and he, in that article, he's like, stop focusing on the outcome and focus on the systems or the deeper thing is the identity of who you have to be to reach that goal. Now, Pete Shaw from scaryandexciting.com, he's huge on this. This is all what he's all about. The goal, put, set the goal, yep, dream big, throw it out there, but then who do you have to become to be the type of person that's gonna reach that goal? If it's a weight loss goal, what's the type of person that that loses weight maybe it's a healthy person maybe it's an active person maybe it's a a conscious person and that's the type of embodiment that you take on and that gets right down to the core of i am a healthy person i am a um disciplined person and that those progressive steps will lead to the outcome um, so I, I really hope you get this gist because this can be all your goals. So f- for this year, instead of setting goal to, to do this race and this race and this race and this time, if you become a triathlete or if you become, and if you put a word in front of it like a descriptor, like I am a disciplined athlete or I am a courageous runner or I am a, um, yeah, insert your kind of two words in there that are going to lead you to the goal. Really good stuff, this, and, and um, Pete Shaw is, is really good about becoming the type of person. Just to, just to follow up that, James Clear said you could you could have a goal to clean your room and you go and clean it, but really all you've done, if you've got a messy room and you go and clean it, all you've done is treated the symptom of the problem. You haven't gone to the core of the problem. So he's saying you've got a messy room, probably because you're a messy person, you set a goal to clean it, you clean it. In the next few days you start putting stuff on the floor start you know not cleaning up after yourself and your room goes back again so then you set a goal and you clean it again and then you've reached your outcome and then over the next few days weeks months blah and what does this do to your psyche over the time you know you can start to tell yourself a story blah 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 and you go down 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 but what he's saying is if you um, become a tidy person or become a, you know a clean person you embody that identity and that will lead to the outcome that you're actually Leading for. Just had a sip of my tea. I'm getting a bit excited. Hope you're still with me. So we've covered so far the SMART outcome, sorry, SMART acronym, outcome, performance, and process goals, open goals. We've looked at identity goals. We're going to move on to, you may have heard of means goals versus end goals. This is definitely worth mentioning in this podcast. So a means goal versus an End goal. So let's work backwards. An end goal is I want to have this result. I want to have you know, $100,000 in the bank by you know November 2025. I want to go to Hawaii on July 2022, whatever. So let's say end goal. The means goal is, is kind of, it's the best way to describe it, uh, the means to an end is, is the, is the saying, but the end is, think of it this way if you had that end thing, what would that really give you? So if you had the trip to Hawaii, what are you looking for? What's the ultimate outcome? It's not about the trip to Hawaii. It's the enjoyment that you get. It's the adventure that you get. It's the family time you get. It's the you time that you get. It's the being in a different location. It's the feeling of you know excitement and adventure and growth and and seeing a new place and meeting new people, that's what you're kind of really looking for if you if you know yourself well. And if it's the, you know, 100 grand saved in the bank in 10 years, what are you really, what's that going to give you? You know, it could be giving you financial security or it could be giving you um, the opportunity to travel for five years or, the, or it could be giving you um, a feeling of accomplishment and success or, or some other feeling so the end goal is there to give you something like a higher really emotion or feeling the means to the end the means are the steps you take along the way to reach the end just to clear up that i didn't really say that very well um so if it's um the end goal is to run the marathon the means is the training system and the and the program that you take to get it that's the means going but but let's go back i think it's more important where i went with that is if you're think about the next goal you're setting whether it's a race goal or a family goal or a career goal, spiritual goal, emotional goal, whatever it is, and just think about what you wanna what you're going after. and then ask yourself the question, if I get that or when I get that, what will that ultimately give me? And just see if you can grab onto one or two feelings or, or emotions that that goal. So if you were to run, the sub four hour marathon in Canberra, or the sub fifty minute ten k time, or the you get a twenty five minute five k. What will that really give you when you do that? Is it a sense of achievement? Is it a sense of confidence? Is it success? like success? Is it love? Like then, will you feel like you're part of a group? of people who have done this before? Will you feel that people will give you more respect? Will you have more respect for yourself? Think about that higher kind of emotional value, if you like, that um, that will give you. Now, to further on from this, there's a process where you can start with the feeling and work backwards. So, (laughs) this has been called reverse goal setting. Which is a really awesome concept so stay with me here let's just say you're going to canberra you want to run a sub 50 minute 10k time and that's where your goal you've been working towards it for six months and the feeling when you ask yourself that question what will this give me what do i really want to feel the feeling that you really want to get from that is is success or like a powerful you know like i can do this i i proved something to myself like a pride right so you take that feeling, which is really why you're going to Canberra, and you bring that forward. Instead of putting it out on April 10th or whenever the Canberra Marathon is, you bring it back to today. And you say, okay, I'm not going to wait until April 10th to get that emotion. I want to feel that emotion today. So if I want to feel powerful or um, or successful or, you know, um, it, you know, like, achievement I forget the words I use, but if I want to feel, let's just say with a powerful now, what's something I can do today to get that feeling? Well, I can, I can um, make that phone call that I've been putting off for so long. I can fix that problem I've been putting off for so long. I can do the right thing, or, or you know, f- for somebody, I can, um, you know, pay the bill, or I can put down, you know, call the coach I've been putting off or I can make a commitment to something that I've been wanting to do for ages that I've been putting off for some reason. And that could give me the feeling of being powerful. And then what can I do the next day and then the next day and then the next day and then the next day? And if you work on developing that feeling Instead of waiting until you do this huge thing to get the feeling, then you're going to be embodying this feeling for many, many, many days, weeks, months, and even years. And that's how you know, you really start to change yourself in your identity. Instead of waiting for, I'm going to do this race in 12 months' time, and then I'm going to feel successful. So that's that kind of reverse goal setting. Just in a nutshell, again, it's think about what you want. Finding out what that will actually give you from an you know emotional or a feeling perspective, what you really want out of it, and then bringing that feeling back to simple steps that you can do today that you don't have to wait till you achieve this massive thing. I hope you um hope hope you're still hanging in there. There's a lot of information I'm throwing at you. Hopefully you're getting some notes or or um you come back and and get what you need. Again, I'm just going to say the caveat one more time. If if it doesn't sit with you, just move on and wait for the next thing. But if it does, please just give it a go. Just give it a go. Let's move on to some research um, from Andrew Huberman and uh, Emily Balsitis. Now, Emily Balcedis is an associate professor in New York. Uh, Andrew Huberman has got an excellent podcast, The Huberman Lab. Um, he's a professor of neurobiology and op- ophthalmology at Stanford. Now, he's come up with this awesome research, which I alluded to in my last podcast, which is basically, if you want to make a goal successful, you've got to look at um, previous achievements from yourself and make the next goal harder or easier than the previous goal. I know this is kind of a bit weird, but just just stay with me. So Huberman looks at um, neurobiology. So he's really looking at neurotransmitters in the brain, and mainly his interest is in the dopamine system. And he's like, how do I use the dopamine system to get my goals? So dopamine is the uh, neurotransmitter of more of like pursuit of I want more of that so I'm going to go after I'm going to hit the poking machine one more time one more time one more time it's that, that, that kind of feeling that we get I'm just going to check social media one more time one more like one more like one more like that's, that's that kind of dopamine system and what they found what, what Huberman's found is this 85% rule which actually comes from another study which I will reference later um, actually I'll do it now It's called the 85% rule for optimal learning, which was published in Nature Communications Journal. So in this, it's 85% because you've got to make sure you're in this 15% plus or minus of what you've achieved in the past. Again, this is another tool you can use, take it or leave it. So humans saying in this 15%, it will um, trigger the dopamine system because you think you can achieve it. If it's harder than 15% more, there's a party brand that's going to say, that's too hard, I can't do it. Like if, if I wanted to win, I don't know, the uh, Winter Olympic gold medal for figure skating, I, I haven't got a snowball chance in hell of that. So my body will say, that's not even worth it, they say. Like just forget about it. But if I, if I set a 15% increase in, uh, decrease in my uh, marathon time, for example, that's something I could really work at over the next couple of years. And I think, you know what, I reckon I could do that if I focused on it. So that's that dopamine system being um, triggered by the goal. So in this, just to, to simplify Huberman and Balcetus's research, I want to mention the four, the four kind of steps that they have, which all correlate but might just help you a bit better. Uh, step one is set it to be moderately challenging. So you want the challenge, but you don't want too much challenge. And you don't want it too easy because it's like, uh, what's the point? So you don't want that kind of response from your body, but it's got to be within this moderately challenging realm. Step two, plan concretely. Now, this goes right back to Locke's 1968 research and Locke and Latham in 1990. It's all about the concrete steps. If I'm going to achieve, let's say, um, uh, the weight loss goal, what are the steps I need to do? You know, for example, you know, do I, am I counting calories? Am I doing X number of steps per day? Am I um, signing up for these programs? Am I going to get a coach to keep me accountable? And all of these concrete steps that lead to the goal. That's that plan concretely step. Number three, foreshadow failure. This is a fascinating point that I've taken into my goal setting. So, foreshadowing failure. Um, is a part of your goal setting according to Huberman where you put it in the closer you get to your goal. Remember like the this mindset stuff that I'm teaching you, it's periodized like you're training. So think of a basic training plan for an endurance, let's say an Ironman, you might train for six, let's just say you're training for six months for the Ironman. The first couple of months are going to be a base building phase, long rides, long sessions in the pool long runs, low heart rate, building the base, getting the volume up over and over. As you get closer to the race, you're going to do more specific training. What's the run leg like? Is it hilly? Is it going to be hot on, you know, is it going to be in Noosa or is it going to be in Geelong? And it's going to be more specific training to the race. Well, in goal setting, if you're six months out from that Ironman, you're setting the goal about you know whatever goal you choose. If it's an outcome goal, I'm going to come in this place. If it's a process goal, I'm going to do this many sessions per week. Um, if it's an open goal, I'm just going to become a triathlete and see how good I can be. And then as you get closer to your goal, you're going to foreshadow failure. So you're going to visualize or put in the imagery you not achieving the goal and falling short, not having nutrition on the bike leg and then bonking on the run, not having enough sessions in the pool and getting tired and then getting onto the bike already depleted. You're going to imagine getting a flat tire on the bike and you didn't learn how to change a tire and now you're out of the race or waiting for a a mechanic. You're going to visualize all these things that will make you fail on your stated goal that you're working so hard before. Now, why does he say this is important? And why does this, again, Emily Balsitis, is because this starts the amygdala up. This is the oldest part of our brain that's gonna release that cortisol, that adrenaline to say, I don't want that to happen. I'm gonna prepare for that. This is the fear sentence. I don't wanna fail. So you're gonna bring that into your goal setting and say, I need to learn how to change a tire. Quick, let's get on YouTube. Let's go out there and start practicing. And see how fast I can get. So that doesn't that I take that out of the equation. If you've done any work with me leading up to a race, that fear-setting um, template that Tim Ferris puts out uh, is is exactly this. It's like, what are all the things that can go wrong? And get them all out there, dump them all on the page, and let's start to put a plan together to minimize them from happening in the first place. And then if they do happen, a secondary plan for how we're gonna deal with it in the race. This is a critical part that I love this because most of the visualization stuff in goal setting is all about perfect, you perfectly, <coughs> run me, going through the race, achieving it effortlessly. Look how wonderful you are. But then, as we all know, in those long races, it's more about how well you can solve problems than about how perfect a race you can have. All right, so that's Huberman and Balsitis. Um, Just one more thing I want to mention in the types of goals, the smorgasbord goals. This is a funny concept, uh, which is really cool in sports psychology, called secret goals. And it's definitely worth mentioning. The secret goal is something like you're going for, let's just say you're you're going for a 5K park run and um, you're setting a goal to run, let's just say it's your first uh, sub-30-minute park run. Right? And you're, you're telling everyone, everyone saying, oh, how are you going? What are you working towards? Well, I want, I want to run a park run in under 30 minutes. You're telling everyone, you're working with your coach, your coach has got a training plan for 30 minutes, but inside your mind, you've got a secret goal that you want to run sub 27. But you don't tell anybody that goal, certainly not your coach, not your friends. And sometimes you don't even pretend, you pretend that you don't even have it yourself. So you don't even tell yourself, but it's there and it's lurking. And I've caught myself over the years once I learned this, I might say um, to everybody, to my coach and everything, um, this is the time I want to set for this race, but secretly, I want to win the race. I want to be on the podium. I want to smash it. I want to win it, and, but I don't say that because of fear, shame, guilt, um, fear of, not a, of failure, fear that if I actually say it out loud, I'll have to work harder, fear that if I say it out loud and I fail, I'll get judged. So I keep these secret goals to myself because ultimately, and I've shown this before, one of my biggest fears was success and standing out and being great. That's why it's taken me so long to do this podcast and put this program together because I, I fear being seen. Uh, I just want to be a hermit. And, and, um, but but yes, yeah, so anyway, that, that's, that's that secret goal. So check in with yourself. Do you have a secret goal? You have the one you're telling everyone, but is there something lurking? And it's okay. It's good. It's good. Just have it. Write it down. Own it. If you don't want to tell anyone, don't worry about it. If you do, good. You want to just tell your closest friend. But just be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I want to run a sub 30-minute park run, but really, I reckon I can go sub 27. All right, moving on. The components of all goal setting, um, I've kind of gone through all of these all of these types, and I've drawn out what's common to them. So imagery in all of these goal setting types. Really important that you start using imagery. And I know now I use the term imagery because visualization is not for everybody. Not everybody sees pictures when they close their eyes and think think about it. Some people hear sounds, they get sensations, or they get feelings, or they just get you know self talk that, that that help them construct their goal. So using imagery as a part of your goal setting is really, really important and almost imperative uh, for you. Okay, detachment. This is a huge one as well. If you're going to dream big and set this huge audacious goal, you also need to learn to detach from the goal. And that means not becoming associated, not putting your identity or your self-worth or who you are as a person, relying on the achievement of this goal. Something that I struggle with a lot in my life, to be honest, and I'm still trying to work it out, and that's why I'm passionate about this stuff because I'm still trying to find ways to help myself and, and therefore to help more people deal with this kind of stuff. But if you're going to set a huge goal to do a, you know something that's really a stretch for you, then the way that we do that is by setting the big goal, dreaming big, and then throwing it out there and not having any attachment to whether we achieve it or not. So easy to say, so hard to do. The Buddhists, the non-dualists can teach us how to do this. Um, Yeah, and if (laughs) if you know how to do it, can you teach me how to do it? Because I'm still in the process of setting that big goal and then not putting not putting any importance on it in the fact of who I am as a person. So detachment um, is critical for all of these things. And that's why, you know, to share more, that's why I love this open goal setting because it's really not about, it's about setting the goal, but uh, putting this open goal out instead of setting the specific and um, time or place-based goal. Uh, Patience is a big one in goal setting. So if you don't achieve your goal this year just change the year and go for it again next year commit to this stuff for the long term every great athlete i know the greatest athletes i know are the ones who perform consistently the greatest leaders the greatest singers the greatest bands the greatest musicians the greatest people that i know are people who do this the consistent routine work to become better and better each day So if you don't achieve your goal, it's okay. You're still worthy of love. You're still an amazing human being. Just pick yourself up and go for it again next week, next month, next year, whatever it takes. Take the patience. I'm going to do more on patience. I've got some great examples of close friends of mine who who have been patient over the years and five, seven, ten years after they started, they're starting to get these amazing results through consistency and patience. Have to mention intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Um, this comes sometimes speaks for itself, um, but when you know yourself and you know what makes you tick, you can understand: Are you more inclined to be internally or intrinsically motivated, or externally or extrinsically motivated? So, are you in? So, intrinsic is doing things f- from. For yourself, or, or from something that you can control. So I'm doing the three hour marathon. I want to run a sub three hour marathon or sub four hour marathon because I want to be more healthy. I want to be more commitment committed. I want the, um, you know, the the uh, discipline to stick to a training plan. I love feeling strong. I love having more energy. I love being a role model to my kids and my family. I love inspiring the people in my running group or my running team. That's the intrinsic stuff. The extrinsic is I want the medal I, I, I want the accolades. I want to be in the newspaper for finishing in under four hours you know I, I want to win my age group and get that. I want to um, have the status of being i 'm not just the executive i 'm the executive director i 'm not just the you know I want the status of the position I want the recognition I want the number of likes on on Facebook or instagram I want. The number of views on YouTube, and that's an external or extrinsic thing. Now, neither are good, neither are bad. It's just about knowing what motivates you and using it without judgment. If you're struggling either way with your goals, then then I advise you to to try and get a balance of intrinsic and, and extrinsic. So do it for yourself, do it for your family, do it for your health, do it for your strength, and do it so people say, Did you hear what that person did? They're amazing. And do it for the, you know, you want, if you want to put it on Facebook, you crossing the finishing line and your finishing time, if that's what gets you going, then use it. It's unreal. If you want to set a big audacious goal and tell all your friends that they hold you accountable and and you get that recognition, then go for it. Don't hold back from doing what works. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) Um, One thing that is also in, is that building the importance of the goal. So there's, a, again, a cliche out there about knowing your why, which if that works for you, good. But think about the reasons that you are doing the goal. So set the goal. Um, I want to, yeah, so I keep picking the same goals. Um, my apologies for that. But so, so, something completely new. I want to swim a 10K swim race, for example. So set the goal. And then think about the reasons you want that well, I've ever been a good swimmer. And if I could learn to swim 10Ks, it would mean that I've achieved being a good swimmer. I'd be able to, you know, swim with my kids at the beach when they get older. I'd be able to, you know, maybe rescue someone if I was at the beach and they were in danger. I'd be able to, you know, have, have the health or the muscular build of a swimmer, which I've always wanted to do. I'd be able to work on my breathing, you know, and link all of those things to your goals and write them out handwritten in detail. Link, and when you can link your personal values to your goal, that's when you're putting fuel in the jet. So, if your personal values are family, um, connection, growth, adventure, then pick a goal that encompasses those things and link it to it. So, if you want to travel, and you want to pick pick a race that you travel for, and you go with a group of people if that's your values, or you take your family on a holiday, or if it's if it 's complete challenge that you want, then just set that amazing huge goal, and then work as hard as you can to go after it, and link it to challenge, link it to recognition, link it to being the best you know and put them all out there and and link it to your goal uh, could be you know it could be about inspiring somebody else or showing yourself what you 're capable of so and linking these things to your goal. Hey, I've been banging on now for 43 minutes, (laughs) I hope you've got something out of this extra long podcast. Um, I wanted to give you as much as I could in goal setting. I'm going to do a summary now um, to wrap up, but again, the caveat is take one thing that works for you or take one aspect that you have never heard before, you've never tried before, and link it to what you're already doing to make it even better. So we covered the history of goal-setting and where the SMART acronym comes from, and, 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 and now it's so widely used. We looked at the types of goal-setting, again, SMART acronym, outcome goals, performance, so the outcome goals, time, uh, sorry, uh, a yeah, uh, uh, gold medal, a, a place, a um, come first, all that kind of stuff, performance goal. Uh, Was I want to do this many shots, I want to have this many shots on goal in my basketball game tonight. Uh, I want to run this many meters on the football field uh, tonight. I want to do this many tackles tonight. Those performance type goals, and the process goals of uh, sticking to my race plan, nailing my nutrition strategy, nailing my hydration strategy. Um, That's the process goals. The open goals. Remember the open goals. Um, So if I'm on the golf course, it might be. Um, to see how good a golfer I can become, right? to see how much I can enjoy my game today. Jack Nicholas used to have a saying, smell the flowers and play better golf. Um, so those kind of open goals. And again, my one was to see how fit I can become. So those are open goals. The identity goals, Pete Shaw and James Clear, be the type of person who does xyz or that i am a reader i am a swimmer i am a triathlete i am a healthy person and if you can put a descriptor in front of them i am a disciplined marathoner or i am an inspiring mother or i am a um uh am lost for words now <laughs> hugely articulate um podcaster for example but that i am is the don't read the book. Become The goal is not to read the book. The goal is to become a reader. The goal is not to clean the room. It's to become a clean, cleanly, cleanly, clean, clean person. Uh, so that was the identity-based stuff. We looked at the means versus end goals, which I didn't articulate too well, and I understand that. My apologies. But if you think about what was more important of that was the end goal that you want, so the marathon time or the distance that you want to swim or... Um, It's an end goal and what would that give you if you got that? What's really behind it? It's probably an emotion or a feeling that you want. Success, happiness, achievement, courage, pride, growth. And then the reverse goal setting was to bring that emotion back to today and do things that can make you feel that today instead of putting it off into the future, this grand day when you're going to achieve everything. The secret goals, remember the secret goals, which is, um, I want to run a, let's just change it, I want to run a sub-four-hour marathon, and that's what you set the goals, you're working towards it, that's what your coach is planning for, but really, inside, you want to run a sub-330, but you just don't want to tell anybody. It's also called sandbagging. I think that's what the term is, where you don't tell anybody what you're actually trying to do in case you fail. So it's a protection mechanism. You're protecting yourself from the fear of failure. And and when you can just ha- find your secret goal, you don't have to tell anybody, but just be honest with yourself and, and say, this is what I really, really want. Um, okay, that's, a, that's secret goals. And then the Huberman and, and Emily Balsitis um, research on those those uh was it four areas moderately challenging planning concretely um foreshadowing failure remember the, to get the amygdala and the fear center working and then i didn't say the fourth part of that i've just realized looking at my notes the fourth part of that human research was focusing on visual points and removing distractions so that was about imagery visualization and rem- yeah, yeah, and obviously staying focused and removing distractions Okay, so that concludes the podcast. I realize I've given you a lot of information on this podcast and sometimes that can be overwhelming. So I really want to extend that invitation to you to please contact me, athlete.mindset.training at gmail.com, athlete.mindset.training at gmail.com. If you're confused, if you're not sure which one you want to uh, take or you want more information on either you know anything i've said um please just email me and i'll get back to you like i'm i I understand that i've given you the massive smorgasbord and and you know like i said it can be overwhelming so please i'm also going to ask you if you've got any ideas for future podcasts please email me the same email athlete.mindset.training at gmail.com and give me some ideas i'd love it having said that I'm the type of person that I've never contacted a podcaster or, or um, anybody who asks for this, but so please, you know, don't be like me. Please reach out and, and just say, Hey Rob, I'd love you to cover off this aspect of mindset or, or this of mental skills, or can you give us more information on such and such uh, in relation to mental skills and, and mindset work. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of it. Um, please take some kind of action on this call. Try something new from for your goal setting try a different way or add something else onto what you're currently doing uh, just to give it a little bit more spice if you're not using imagery just add some imagery in if you're not putting the failure component in put a little bit of failure component into your to your goal setting Um, if you always had anxiety around setting an outcome goal then move it back to a process goal and something you can 100 percent control if you know seeing the big audacious goals Gives you, you know, again, anxiety, then, then consider just setting an open goal. Consider learning that detachment from the goal uh, and, and ways to do that, whether it's through, you know, meditation or mindfulness or non dualism. Make this practical um, and enhance what you're doing. I'm sure what you're doing is working well in some way. So take that aspect and add something more into it. Thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of it. Until next time, see you then.